podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We'll come to you first of all, Ozzy. Let's talk about the heavyweights. Everybody loves a bit of heavyweight action. We've got Anthony Joshua there. We've got Deontay Wilder. We've got Tyson Fury. As of the time of recording, things are a little bit up in the air at the moment. We expected Fury yeah. to fight Wilder in the third fight. doesn't look like that's going to happen. AJ is going in with Pulev. The first thing I'll ask you is, Ozzy, we all waited for AJ Wilder to happen for so long. It never came off. Is AJ Fury going to go the same way? Is there a genuine danger that we could see AJ and Fury actually not fighting each other, Ozzy? Uh, no, I disagree. I, I genuinely believe we will see that. I, th- I think Fury and Joshua will come through their next fights unscathed. And I think there's a genuine willingness to make this fight from both sides, promoters as well. Um, they know that's the money fight. Um, it's not often you're going to have two British um, heavyweights holding all the uh, all the titles. Um, there's a huge interest already. I think people will openly admit that it's one fight they'll happily pay for. Um, you, you would like to see it go ahead in the UK, for sure. Um, but the one thing that could jeopardise it is the lack of crowds. If we can't get crowds back, it is going to be a problem because you'll, you'll fill out a stadium, 70, 80, 90,000 comfortably. That will not be an issue. And the gate will be a massive revenue maker. Um pay-per-views it'll probably be a huge it'll probably break you know some sort of records wise you know probably it'll be joshua's highest selling pay-per-view and likewise furies as well so no i think the only thing jeopardizing it will be coronavirus um but naturally that will go and we will get back to normal and i genuinely believe that in 2021 we will see tyson fury against anthony joshua and I think even if the WBO do call Alexander Uzik as the mandatory, um, it wouldn't shock me if Joshua does throw the belt away um, to make sure that the Fury fight happens. Um, n- naturally, being undisputed is you know is something you want, um, but I think Joshua will admit that Uzik's got the potential to cause problems. And w- w- look, with the fight against Fury, there ready to be made. Fury's no wilder, you know, hanging on anymore. That is gone. Um, he will not have a mandatory either to come. There's not, there should be nothing that's stopping this. Uh, so, no, I, I genuinely believe that we will see it. And it's a fight that I cannot wait for. And I really hope we do see it as well. Andy, you've got the Ring Magazine uh, heavyweight rankings in front of you there. You were mentioning the fight between Fury and AJ. What what are the ideal scenarios we need to see here? We've got Alexander Usyk manoeuvring himself into position. Dillian White, God help us, is still knocking about just about at the time of recording. Wilder, we're not sure who he's going to fight. If Fury dominates AJ, as you say, then you think that could leave the division on its arse a little bit? What are the ideal sort of sequences or results we want to be seeing here to keep the heavyweight division alive and interesting? Well, we need to see Wilder back, um, definitely in straight away, probably with a top 10 opponent, just to keep his, his interest going in that, because just obviously the way he's dominated, uh, Ortiz, I think he's coming off, a, uh, I think he's still coming off a loss, I think at this point, Parker's got a fight coming up as well against uh, an old amateur rival, which, you know, could possibly go either way, you just never know, um, he obviously got in the top 10, 
Rivas, he's no thought since White. Michael Hunter's there as well. Povetkin's ranked fourth. Uh, and Andy Ruiz is, is in there as well. Um, and Pulev makes up the top 10 with Fury being champion and stuff. So I just think um, if Fury, if, if we do get the fight between Fury and Joshua and that, and Fury does dominate him, uh, Fury's really got no other route, isn't he? He's just like, you know, I beat everybody now, I can just retire. You know, he could just pick his, pick his opponents whenever he wanted um, and just, or, or even retire. What would AJ do after that? Would he keep fighting? Uh, I see Wilder's needing surgery, apparently. Um, Povetkin, obviously, needs to come through the white rematch and stuff. You know, it's, it's a crossroads fight for both those guys again, actually, even though they fought two months ago. It's, it's another crossroads fight for those guys and that. So we need fresh blood coming into the top 10 and stuff. As I say, none of it. I mean, you've got Rivas, he's 40. Pulev must be 40. Hunter must be coming up to at least uh, early 30s. Parker's late 20s, early 30s. Ruiz is the same. Ortiz is like 82. Uh, whites like early 30s and stuff like that, so we're needing to get some fresh blood in that because as I say, if Fury does end up dominating Joshua, um, we would need a situation where it's, it's a close fight, Joshua drops him a few times, Fury pulls it out of the bag and that a contentious decision where a rematch needs to needs to happen um, outside of that like if, 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 if Fury do, uh, dominates him like I think he will um, and I could see it uh, the heavyweight division just being fractured and maybe you know, again, as I say, it's just the, the old, the also runs just kind of coming up again and stuff. Just while the, the fresh blood tries to catch up with them. Adam Smith, Smith's on the call with us. Welcome to you, as always, Adam. I know that you've uh, due a rant. You've had a couple of rants lately. I don't want to set you off just yet, but I'm wondering about these fights, whether they have sell-by dates. There's so many roadblocks. The pessimist in me says, I mean, Ozzy mentioned coronavirus there. When the hell's that going to end? When we're going to get people regularly back into the arenas again? Combine that with the sanctioning bodies as well. They're making demands all the time. That They're a disease, aren't they? Messing fights up. You've got promoters. You've got all these managers getting involved. Are there, are there too many roadblocks at the moment in the heavyweight division? Um, well, this, I think the short answer is probably no, because... Um, Roadblocks can always be over, overcome with money, and this is going to be one of the biggest money fights of all time. You know that is a, that is a simple fact. When you take in in terms of pay per view, live gate, sponsorship, interest across, uh, obviously massive, massive interest in in Great Britain, Europe, and and beyond. Fury's got his name in America. AJ's fought there once as well, so. Um, I can see it happening. Um, I think Eddie's already floated an, an idea of, um, you know, fighting for all four belts and dumping one the day after to, to please the likes of Usyk, etc. Um, I've said about Usyk before; he strikes me as a man that doesn't really care um, too much about the about the money or or anyone else. He just he is just um, he wants his he wants his shot, and I think I think he he will get it. Um, but do I see? I don't. You know they're already talking about a two-fight deal. Um, we've we've seen a, a, the Wild, Wilder and Fury um, fight was was two, possibly three fights. So that seems to be. I don't really like this talk of two-fight deals, etc. When they talk about fights before we, even the first fights happened, I think like Andy says, it, you know, if we need something controversial or entertaining or questionable or close to happen in the first fight to make the the second fight interesting that goes for that goes for any fight not just this one um so if it's a if it's a beat down like fury and wilder was uh fury, fury wilder 2 was a conclusive um beat down then that makes the interest in in the third fight um you know less so and we don't want that happen that to happen with aj and fury with the third fight already uh, the second fight already agreed and it be you know people kind of lose interest um it would be absolutely massive it would easily be the biggest fight 
in in Britain since I've been following the sport. That's you know coming up to well, fifteen years kind of thing um, on and off. So yeah, it, it's, a, it's a massive fight. I can see it happening. Um, but you know, as someone mentioned earlier, um, after these two kind of fight and maybe have two fights next year, um, you know what what's left of the division? I don't know. Um, I think that Wilder, that I, I wouldn't write Wilder off yet on on twofold. I wouldn't write him off in terms of winning or beating one of the one of the top two kiddies, and I wouldn't write him off not taking the the Fury third fight. I mean, none of us know the ins and outs of that contract, but it would be strange for him to just him and his team to, to kind of just roll over and and let Fury move on if it was contracted. That seems very strange to me, and I still think Wilder, regardless of whether he's lost or not, and regardless of the results between Joshua and Fury, he can beat either of them men on his day. I think he's got a better chance of beating Joshua than Fury for obvious reasons, but he's got the equaliser. So, you know, he's still well in the mix and there could be a little bit of a round robin there. And, you know, Dylan White's meant to be knocking on the door for years years and years. I mean, I don't rate him, but you can see him being chucked in there as well. So, you know, these guys aren't particularly old as yet, and they're not as old as the guys that Andy mentioned earlier, for example. So, you know, if they're not scared of, well, a couple of them have already lost their row. If they're not scared of, of getting in and mixing it with the big boys, there's massive money to be had and it could be it could be entertaining times. But we all know and we're all accustomed to or programmed to now to being disappointed. And that is a sorry state of affairs for boxing fans. But hopefully with Joshua and Fury, we're not disappointed and it happens at least once next year. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure Rob um, Smiddows moved me perfectly into the next point I was going to make, actually, regarding Deontay Wilder. He's still popular in the United States. This guy has a fan base. And more importantly than that, he's a KO finisher. He's always going to bring the excitement. Wilder still has a part to play. It seems to me that some people, now we know there's certain people out there, Rob, with agendas, are trying to write Wilder off a little bit as damaged goods. He was certainly damaged goods in that Fury rematch, but like I said, this guy's a puncher. He's featured on pay-per-views. Al Heyman can definitely get in the fights and get him paid, Rob. Wilder still has a big part to play in the heavyweight division. I wouldn't be optimistic that you can hear me now. Can you hear me okay, yeah? Absolutely clear. Um, yeah, like I said on, on Sunday, I think, um, how many times do you want to give Deontay Wilder a chance to knock you out? Like, I think this, very, this third fight is better off out of the way for the landscape of boxing. I think... Um, right, Wilder off is. I think look at the look at the look at the outside the top three. If and if you consider Dillian White the number four before the Povetkin knockout, um, Pulev and and Povetkin coming to their last fight of their career, the top ten down is bad, man. Like it's bad. So you know, the future the future heavyweights. There's not there's not much on the up like coming up, apart from Christopher Lovejoy. So. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think I think this fight's definitely going to happen. There's too much money in it for it not to happen. What happens with Wilder? I don't know. Wilder would probably knock out anybody else. Wilder could knock Joshua out, as, as Smith said. He could. He can knock anyone else. So he'd always, if he decides to fight on, he's going to be in the mix for sure. He'd probably regain uh, the heavyweight crown at some stage. I think Fury has one foot out. I've been saying this for a couple of years. I think he wants these two big fights with AJ, and then he wants out. Like. Um, or even one fight with AJ if he beats him definitively I don't think I think he'll retire I don't think you'll see the rematch like so you'll probably see Joshua and Wilder fight it out then to see who's the number one guy in the division Where'd you stand Rob just quickly on what Smido said about this two fight thing it sort of makes the first fight almost irrelevant I think when they're talking about second fights that second chance is is built in already uh, you know I'm not I'm not a fan of the, the two fight deals 
No, I don't like them being announced ahead of time. Like keep them in the in, the, you know, keep them, keep them in the mix because it it puts it puts um, the sport in danger of getting a dodgy decision the first time. So you get a rematch as well. You know what I mean? So if this, like I said, if Fury knocks AJ out or he beats him decisively on points, I think he retire. I don't think he I don't think he'll stick around for the second fight. But yeah, I'm not a fan. Dave's on the call with us from Boxing's First. Hopefully you can hear us, Dave, and hopefully you're keeping well. How are you this evening, sir? Yeah, can hear you all crystal clear. Yeah, not too bad. Corona scare earlier this week, so in isolation. So what better to do than come and join the boys at the asylum? Absolutely. You're in the right place here, tucked away behind bars in the nuthouse with the lads, Dave. Hope you're you're well by the end of this evening anyway. So given that many people thought... Tyson Fury won the first fight. Well, a lot of people over here did. In America, it was a slightly different story. He definitely conclusively won the second. Although, again, some Americans seem to be disputing that to this day somehow. Apart from the proverbial puncher's chance for Wilder, was there appetite for a third fight generally? Did you have an appetite for the third fight, Dave? With what else is on offer throughout the heavyweight division, look at what we're talking about for Tyson Fury in December next. We're talking Takam. You know, we might as well chuck Lovejoy in, get him back out in December at this point. Oh, the Wilder result was conclusive, but that shows the gulf in class between that upper tier of the heavyweight division and what's below them. I much prefer to see Tyson Fury fight someone who he devastated earlier this year than watch him fight a Takam. Definitely. Few names have been mentioned for Tyson Fury. We've seen Cabriel thrown in. This could date very quickly. We all know that, but we might as well speculate. A few other names have been thrown in as well. Now, obviously, if they're not going to fight each other, they're not going to fight Joshua. Tell me who you think Fury could fight next, or you think he should fight next. I'm interested as well, Dave, to hear Wilder's next opponent in particular. There's a guy on the screen there, Andy Ruiz Jr., maybe somebody like that. Who do you think they're going to put Wilder in next as well as Fury? I'm not wholly convinced that Wilder returns. And the reason I say that is not because he's not good enough. We all know he's good enough. He's shown throughout his career, like we all know, that one-punch knockout, he brings the fan base to the sport. He's exciting to watch. He's probably, he's definitely not the most skilled heavyweight, but he's he's by far the most exciting for me. But you look at the reasons why he started boxing. He never came into boxing with this belief that he was going to maybe he had the belief that he was going to be this brilliant champion but he never had the ambition to outdo Ali or anybody else like that he said he wanted to provide for his family and given his upbringing and where he's come from he was never going to do that in a nine to five office job he came to boxing purely to finance his daughter who has some sort of physical problems and mental problems apparently so After he's just fought Tyson Fury twice, two of the biggest paydays that we'll see in the heavyweight era, probably in this decade, them two coming together was massive with Tyson Fury's backstory coming from his long layoff. A lot of people showed interest in that fight. It generated so much money. Does Wilder, does he come back? If if his heart's not in boxing, his heart was in the money, does he need to come back? It's an interesting question. I mean... I look at some of the guys coming on the way up as well, to be honest with you. We've got the Joe Joyce-Daniel Dubois fight coming up, Dave, uh, just before we move on. And how how far away do you think these guys are from challenging the top level? I mean, Dubois' name's been floated around, whether Frank's serious or not, we don't know. He needs to get past Joe Joyce, first of all. How how far off are we seeing some of the young blood coming up and starting to challenge? And uh, is it a week 
not a weak era, but are we excited by some of the guys coming up, Dave, you in particular? Uh, there's, there's obviously much better divisions in the lower echelons. I think that the heavyweight division, particularly in Britain right now, is so popular because of the amount of fighters we've got, not only at the upper end, we've obviously got the two best fighters in the division at the top end, but we've got the likes of Double R and people like that coming through. So it is on fire in the UK at the minute. But after Dubois and Joyce fight, it's that step between Dubois and the likes of Fury and AJ. The golfing class is too great. In the old days, you look at Ali, there were so many people in that. You look at a top 10 heavyweight ranking back in the 80s, maybe even the 90s, it was star-studded. But now you've got people like Oscar Rivas sitting at number nine in the Ring Magazine rankings. Now, Oscar Rivas has beat Bryant Jennings. He's lost to Dillian White. What else has, has Oscar Rivas done? to deserve that place at number nine, that shows you that the talent just isn't there. So, like I think it was Andy said earlier, if Tyson Fury does a job on AJ in, in hopefully this upcoming fight, which I agree with the sentiments and the opinions of everybody else, this fight will happen because we know promoters don't care about the fight fan, they care about money, and as long as the money's there, then this fight will happen, and obviously the money is definitely there. But if Fury does a number on him, the heavyweight division's dead for me it's gone because there'll just be an outright number one champion light years ahead of everybody else. The competition just won't be there. And while there's no competition, there's no division. Absolutely. Time and marination, I suppose, is not a good thing in the heavyweight division. Everyone's one Povetkin uppercut away from having their dreams brutally destroyed. Ozzy, what are you dreaming of over the next year or so then? A uh, heavyweight that you're going to be keeping an eye on, not necessarily a prospect. He could be a contender, a puncher. I mentioned Daniel Dubois there. Uh, I'm going to throw one in. I'm, I'm interested to see. I could be the only person on the planet to say this. How Adam Kovnacki comes back after that Robert Hellenius uh, knockout loss. It'd be interesting to see what they do with him. Are they going to feed him to somebody? Al Heyman tends to have a bit more patience than the likes of Bob Aaron. When a Bob Aaron fighter loses... Uh, we've seen it many times. They tend, to, if, if he hasn't got a high ceiling, they tend to feed him to somebody else. Kovnaki, I think, will be given another chance, given the Polish fan base and that. So we could see someone like him thrown in against the Wilder. Um, also, Andy Ruiz, the guy I mentioned earlier as well, he's someone to keep an eye on. What are they going to do with him? Fluffed his lines in the rematch with Joshua. Came in far too fat. Pulled a James Buster Douglas. Again, is he going to fight Wilder? What are the PBC going to do with him? Over to you. Uh, heavyweight to keep an eye on for any reason whatsoever, Rosa. Well, there's a couple. Um, Dubois, definitely. I I'm a big fan of his, and what I like is that the fact he keeps getting better. Uh, there's no bullshit with him, um, and I like the fact he's quite a mysterious character, isn't he? He's, he's coming up more out of his shell, but he remains quiet, and he's a bit of a like a silent assassin type of thing. Like He, he doesn't say a lot, and what he does, he just does his talking in the ring, and he does it brutally. He knocks out these opponents in, like, in you know pretty fine fashion, yeah. He should be knocking these sort of people out, but how often do we see in boxing that you know some fighters lower their levels to the caliber of opponent and you know labor to a, a points win? Dubois doesn't have any of that. He's got a killer insti instinct, and he goes out there and he, dest he destroys them. And I think he'll do that to Joe Joyce. I think this will be a real coming out performance for him, and I think that's when you'll people are going to be you know like really realize how good he is. My other one. And it's more intrigue more than anything else. It's Martin Bacoli. We we heard so much from Billy Nelson how good he was, how good he was, and he got his big opportunity and he he fluffed it against Michael Hunter. Now, fair enough, 
apparently stuff went on behind the scenes, personal issues. Um, they've never been revealed, but clearly something's gone on. He's come back. He's not had you know any major standout victories, but what he has done, he's dealt with his opponents in fine fashion. He fights Sergey Kuzmin in November on one of the matchroom shows, which I think will be a good leveler to see where he's at. I don't particularly rate Kuzmin. I think Price was well in the fight with him until he gassed and hurt his shoulder. Um, but if Bacoli can go out there and smash up Kuzmin to bits, it shows that you know what sort of level he can be at. Um, you don't get pulled into sparring, you know, by decent heavyweights, the likes of Dubois, Joshua, Hergovic, if you are poor. So he's clearly got quality. It's just going to be interesting to see how Matrim manoeuvre him because he's certainly in the the who who needs him and who wants him club. Um, tickets are irrelevant at the moment purely for the fact because you don't need to sell any. But at the same time as well, he's no real rankings. He's no profile. So why are you not giving him a voluntary opportunity? Um, it, it's going to be a, a testament to, to Matrim if they can manoeuvre him into these positions. But he's certainly one that I'm more intrigued to see how he does in the next 12 months. Because, again, he is only getting older, not younger. Same thing to you, Andy. Um, I shall lead you in with a couple of uh, Cuban heavyweights, actually, I'm going to mention here. First of all, Luis Ortiz, again, testament to the PBC, 41 years young, but he's been recycled a few times, Lu- uh, Luis Ortiz, and they're going to put him back out. They were supposed to put him back out in a headliner at the end of the year. I don't know if it's going to happen now, uh, but uh, I liked Odlanios Solis back in the day, and there's been a few decent Cuban heavyweights. The fella, was it Jorge Gonzalez, who fought Riddick Bow? Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. Frank Sanchez Foray, the Cuban Flash, is another one I'm going to keep an eye on. 15 and 0 with 11 KOs. A couple of Cubans to keep an eye out for, uh, Andy. Anyone that you're going to keep your eye on? Prospect, contender, puncher, whatever suits you? Uh, well, c- contender, I'd like to see Rivas get another chance, just considering what after the, the, the bullshit that happened with the Dylan White fight, you know, with the drugs and stuff like that, the drug test, and, and apparently being kept in the dark and that. So, like, a wee bit shady there. As I say, he's no thought since. And, also having you know white down in that, I like to see him get another opportunity to see if he's okay. He's up 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 in edge now as well, so he might be kind of few and far between prospects. We're kind of looking out for um, one of the one of the Uzbeks back to Jalalov, um, six and zero, six KOs. He's been kind of mostly fighting in America and stuff, but he's been kind of going back and forward between amateurs and that. He was actually I think he qualified for uh, Tokyo as well, so he's trying to get gold there. Um, Hergovic prospect as well, obviously, but again, I, I'm no high in him. 28, was it 11 KOs? Fought a guy there in his last fight coming off like a five year absence and stuff. Like, just, just simply not good enough. Needs to, needs to up it a bit. Um, there's a there's a Russian based in Canada called uh, Aslan Beck, Matt Mudov. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe worth keeping an eye on as well. 31 uh, year old, now, that's the only thing. Um, just going back to kind of. Um, Jalalov actually was an Australian who's turned pro. Justice Hooney, um, he won his uh, he won the Australian title in his pro fight actually. So uh, maybe worth keeping an eye on. He lost the twenty twenty Olympic qualifiers to Jalalov. So I mentioned Kadiro in the pod before as well. So I'm really interested in that kid. That but um, this is still a work in progress. Not got a lot of power in that. Maybe it might benefit if he become more a counter puncher. Um, Ukrainian Vladislav Serenko uh, fighting on the kind of small hall circuit in America and that got, got stopped off Fraser Clark actually in the World Series of Boxing uh, so keep an eye on that one as well and I suppose just one we want to see more action from actually as well is uh, Tony Yoka yeah um, 
you know, I think it's about time. He must be in his late twenties now, and I think it's time for him to have a step up in class because, to say, as guys like these I've just mentioned, and some of them are up in age a wee bit. Like Jalalov's like twenty six. I noticed that Ivan Daichko, he's he's thirty. He was a long standing Kazakh amateur. Uh, he's nine and all just now, and you've got um, Big Majimov. He's thirty four. He just he's only got had two pro fights at the minute and that. So these guys are up in age, fast experience and stuff like that. But this is they're, they're up in age and that, and they're only there for a short period and that. Um, a Jagba, a step up in class, very stiff. Um, not sold on a Jagba. No, neither am I. Says just like you, but like Hergovic, not sold on him either. So it says there's, you know, as, as I says at the start, and just Rob affirmed it, and that's what there's nothing that said the top three, top four possibly. As I says, if you go through the the, the Ring magazine top ten, the vast majority of them, uh, so have a quick look here, maybe Parker and Hunter are possibly still in their twenties. Maybe age, age is age, thirty one. Yeah, AJ is Hunter's thirty-two, Parker's twenty-eight. So there he goes. So only one fight in the top ten is in his twenties, and he's in his late twenties. So he said you mentioned some of the guys in that Kadiru, uh, Hunye, uh, Serenko, Jalalov, uh, Nick Cubans. Which is that Cuban guy? Just out of curiosity, but forty-five. Uh, Frank. Aye. He's a uh, twenty-eight, but yeah, God knows. Yeah, so I had twenty years on that. So yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> Hergovic, Mcmudov, fair up age as well, late twenties, early thirties and stuff. So it's maybe the right age as well for these guys to turn over uh, to pro and that. You know, they're full grown men by this point, and that so they should have their, their full strength and that. But then if you go through the rankings and stuff, you know, like, like contenders like Trevor Bryan, Charles Martin's got himself back into contention of you know three victories. I think he had a, a win over. Oh, Gerald Washington, was it? wasn't it? Gerald Washington, that's who it was, mate. Gerald Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, Robert Hellenius, who's holding one of the WBA trinkets and stuff like that. He's looking for a big fight. Uh, Cabayel, you know, he's stepped about. I agree with Ozzy and that. Bacoli's waiting for an opportunity. Um, so it was, so it's big Otto Wallen as well. Tom Swartz for, uh, for Germany, no good enough. Uh, Bryant Jennings is now 36. He's lost his last two fights to like Rivas and Joyce. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the contenders is vastly and quickly kind of like Peter Newt. Quite a few names thrown in for Mandy there to keep an eye on or maybe to forget about. Age is the magic number, Smido, for Kubrat Pulev, 39, going in against AJ. I don't know how much of a chance you give again to Pulev. I think early on it could be dangerous, as he showed against Klitschko, although that was five or six years ago now with the old left hook. Also, another former uh, AJ victim it could be defining AJ's legacies. Joseph Parker seems to have gone right off the boil since he lost to the big man, obviously lost to Dillian White as well. Um, you can discuss those boys if you wish, or throw in any other names that you'll be keeping a beady eye on, Smith. I haven't got anyone left field, but I 100% agree with every word that Ozzy said about Dubois. Um, yeah, he's, he's young enough, he's dynamic enough, he's still learning. He's, he, there is that little bit of mystery about him. I think that the Joyce fight will be a coming out party for him, as you said, Steve. Um, and the only other one I've got really is Herkovic. I know Andy mentioned him. He's fought absolutely no one so far in eleven fights, but he's a six foot six banger basically, um, and, he, and he's twenty eight. So he needs to start picking up. If he picks up his um, level of opposition, he could start showing. He could start showing a little bit, or he could go the other way. So we just need to we just need to see him in against someone with a pulse, really, not the. Uh, not the Kevin Johnsons or or Alexandra Kutosovia or whatever his name was the last time. Um, I mean that Molina fight fair enough, but you know Molina, although he has been in with um, a couple of uh, big names, AJ and 
Louis Ortiz has done nothing else really, yeah, with Molina. So yeah, we need to see Hergovic in with some other other folks, and then I might. A couple of heavyweights of interest to the boys have already mentioned. Rob uh, literally punching above his weight. Michael Hunter always gives a decent account of himself. Hunter, I'm, I'm quite a fan. I must say, he always goes in, gets his money, gives a hundred percent, and they try to mess him about. Not a bad fighter at all. Talking about fighters though, Charles Martin, the big southpaw, can definitely see him getting a world title opportunity again. Rob, at some point, anyone you're keeping an eye at? Maybe big Niall Kennedy could fight his way back into the mix. I was just thinking about Niall Kennedy when I'm thinking about this. The state of the heavyweights, and this is no disrespect to Nia Kennedy, but I know guys in Wexford that aspired Basil that I have beat the living shit out of, and I haven't had a fight since I was 14. So I'm just wondering, like, if you're, if I'm, if you're twice as good as Basil Kennedy, you're probably in the top 10. As well as that, you have to be, we are still such romantics on the pod that we start talking about the rankings as if they're based on talent, when we fucking know in our hearts that sanctioning fees play a big part in, rank, in world rankings. Like, so. You know, I think outside the names mentioned, the, the heavyweight division is devoid of a star coming through. Now, potential stars and potential dominators, Daniel Dubois has to be mentioned. What he's like when he goes up the levels, we'll find out soon. I don't think Joe Joyce is going to be that rising star, and he's nearly fucking 45 years of age by the time he turned pro. Um, so, there's a Haitian there's a Haitian sensation by the name of Bermain Stavarn. Let's not rule him out if we're fucking... If all these guys are in the mix still, like um, I think Ruiz has potential of being in good some some good fights again. If he looks like he's in shape now, but I don't know how Manny Robles questioning his mentality again, which obviously he's going to do because he got bombed out as the as the head coach. But if you have to think about Ruiz, he was fat his whole career. He was out of shape his whole career, and if he couldn't fucking get himself in shape for the biggest fight that would have set him up as the next main player in the heavyweight division, that would have been the end of AJ Dude. If AJ had lost second time to Reeves, that would be the end of him. He'd be on the comeback trail now, begging for a fight with Dillian White, or Cantillian White, or, or Deontay Wilder. And it would have been Fury versus versus Andy Ruiz. So, I mean, a bit of him has got to think that he could get back up there. Um, Otto Wallin as well, I think he's a tough guy. He, he could make good fights. Joe Parker's so, like, he's a nice guy and everything, and he's, a, he's one of the good guys of boxing. But he's fucking poison as well, man, isn't he? Like, Jesus Christ, like... So outside the top three, it's very boring in the heavyweight division until someone comes around. And I think with a lot of the big guys now, the money being in other sports, the fellas, especially in America, who could have normally turned to boxing in the 70s, 80s and 90s, are fucking turning to other sports now. And there's not the Americans are not producing big heavyweights coming through either. So there's, you know, there's kind of nobody coming up behind Deontay Wilder to try and take that crown as the top American heavyweight. So that's always a bad sign because when, they, when the belts are in Europe... It's not as good. And I, like I said, I don't think Fury has long left or is going to take um, stick around for four or five years or anything like that. I think he needs to be motivated for big fights. And if there's no one there for him, he could scoot off. So it's a bad sign when there's no American there coming up the, up the way to uh, to make big fights over there with the networks over there. Because, you know, who wants to see Hargovic being the next dominant heavyweight, really? Like, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, shock, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking grim. Yeah, you, yeah. But it's pretty grim, though. Pretty grim. Yeah, a couple of good points from Rob there to pick up on. First of all, I think heavyweight boxing in America is absolutely dying a death. I can see a European domination coming right down the line, especially with these Uzbeks, Kazakhs, Ukrainians and stuff. I don't think the interest there in America at all. We, are, we you know, we've gone through this before. We don't need to go over it again. They're going into uh, NFL and that type of stuff. I think I think it is in, it definitely in life support over there, and there's not going to be too many names coming through. Secondly, uh, uh, Rob mentioned somebody I've forgotten about there, Otto Wallin. 
I think uh, Joey Gamash is a, a cute trainer. I think he did a good job with Wallin in the Fury fight. Gamash did an excellent job with Tiafimo Lopez in the Lomachenko fight as well. So Wallin could definitely be one to keep an eye on. Uh, I know we went through Dubois with you, Dave. Is there anybody else you want to throw in before we move on to our next topic? Then feel free to do so. Don't worry if not. Just a couple of names we've already mentioned, really. I was excited to see how Tony Yorker would progress following, obviously, his gold medal in Rio. Beat Ergovic, beat Joe Joyce, and then flat, nothing. So I don't know how you come off the back of the Olympics, the most high-profile amateur boxing competition, win a gold, but then drop to, to next to you know, slapping Dave Allen. And I don't understand how he's dropped that low. So it's going to take something special. He's still of the prospects, one of the younger ones, so he does have that future. Obviously, we mentioned Frank Sanchez. No one knows how old he is, but I can't see Eddie Reynoso wasting his time on a fighter that's not worth putting his time into. That's the only thing that gives me that belief that Frank Sanchez may have a future within the division. And obviously, the FAA Jagber, more for his excitement than, he, than his talent. He makes a lot of mistakes, but he he can put their mistakes behind him with that one shot. So I think he's going to be exciting going forward. But other than that, I think everybody's been named. Sports Social Podcast Network.